And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Holy crap, Paul. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow is right. Uh, we are coming to you well past dawn. It is 6.05 in the morning here in Doha, Qatar. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, about six hours ago now, uh, just held on for dear life against Iran, won one to advance to the round of 16, where they will meet the Netherlands on Saturday. And I'll say it again. Holy crap, Paul. That was insane at the end of that match. Insane. The U.S. were completely under it. Uh, we were screaming, basically, in the press box. It was such a loud, intense environment from the very beginning, even before the match kicked off. Everything going on around the game with the political situation in Iran and the protests and how they've spilled over here in Qatar and, and people trying to bring in uh, flags without the Islamic Republic emblem and extra security at the stadium tonight and everything, everything, the geopolitical history between the countries. And then, oh, by the way, it's a must-win game for the U.S. And Iran either needs to win or likely heading into the match, as it turned out, a draw would have been enough, draw to get through the round 16 for the first time in their history. So, yeah, the subplots, the context, it was, I mean, it's a journalist's wet dream, if we're being honest. Um, and, sorry, was that, was that a little too much? I'm getting a little carried away here. There's been a lot I'm of too much. very excited. There's been a lot of too much today, or yesterday, today. Um, this game spanned two days. It felt like it spanned two days. Two years, maybe. It was up in the first half. It was down in the second half. It was intense as hell for the 10 minutes of stoppage time i mean there were so many different aspects of this game that we could talk about the first half the u.s was really good on the front foot pushing the game and once again the only thing that they weren't getting out of it were, were the goals right like that should have been two or three nothing at halftime frankly like with the chances that were that were there or the moments that were there to create chances in my opinion at least it, we could have we could have had uh, a situation where at halftime we're we're writing our game stories that very much was not the case and then you you see why it's so important to put your chances away iran is a good team they made adjustments at halftime and then they understood that they were the ones that needed the goal this time and they came out in the second half and they were pushing and the u.s was absorbing that pressure and gosh the second half must have been exactly how the iranian fans felt in the first half survival just trying to keep the ball out of the net and Sam, then there was this whole other emotion when this, I remember I saw it on Twitter first. Um, our good friend Donnie Nora, who's back in Mexico City, tweeted out that it was nine minutes 
of stoppage time and I turned to you and I said that's where you got it I didn't know that's nine minutes I was like where are you pulling that from yeah and and I couldn't believe it I was like wait what and and you know we ended up writing our story a story about it nine minutes and 53 seconds of stoppage time it was brutal it was emotionally exhausting honestly when it was all done that's what I put out there I felt drained just from having watched it and then I had to go down and start reporting and it just felt like holy crap like what just happened so it was it was a night that had a bit of everything it was the world cup man it was what we love about this tournament it's what we love about the sport it's what we love about any sport the drama of it it was fantastic and for the u.s it was a happy occasion at the end it was very close to not being one (laughs) which um was a problem probably in its own right but that's the world cup too yeah i mean look this u.s team they've been very good defensively two shutouts first time a u.s team has done that at a world cup since 1930 they have shown heart they've 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 stepped up in big moments they've had good performances parts of games that have been really good parts of games not so good Man, you know, you said something to me before the game, and then you said it to me after the game as well, which is like I really wanted, I really wanted to cover a, a knockout game at this World Cup, and like we're gonna get at least two because that's what tonight was. The atmosphere was a <laughs> knockout game. The stakes were legitimately a knockout game for both teams. They knew both teams needed a result in order to advance, or else they were out. And now we're gonna see another one. And man, if it's anything like the one that we just watched. Oof. I don't know. I, if, I don't I know if my prepare. heart can handle yeah, that. I got to prepare mentally um, for that. So, uh, I mean, should we should we talk about how the match played out? How do you want to do this, Paul? I don't. I don't even know. We're a little bit slap happy right now. Yeah. Admittedly. I mean, I, I think like maybe the best place to start, Sam, is is let's just do it chronologically because otherwise it's just, it's just we're gonna just going to be a hot mess. Yeah, it's a, we're already a hot mess. More of a hot mess. That's than, already happening. Yeah. Okay. So the beginning of the game, um, actually let's wind it back a little bit further. Those of you that listened to the podcast that we recorded ahead of the match will have heard all about this, but there was a lot of drama going in because of U S soccer and an Iranian flag that they removed the Islamic emblem from in a, in a graphic that they put out on social media. And then they deleted those social media posts. And there was this whole thing about it. They were standing with the women protesting in Iran, which was certainly well-intentioned, but then they didn't really follow through and the whole thing didn't seem well thought out. That caused controversy in this wild press conference that we were at yesterday with Tyler Adams and Greg Berhalter. There were plenty of other wild questions in that press conference as well (laughs) and so that's it's heightened already going in then you add on all of the things going on in iran and between the people of iran and and the government and between the people of iran and the supporters of iran here some who are pro-government some who are anti we saw confrontations tonight in the stands and you get into the game and it's really significantly pro-iran in the crowd in terms of number of fans. It was way more Iranian fans than American fans. And they were super loud straight from the jump. Uh, The beginning of the game, Paul, was very intense, fast paced. Iran came out, Um, they didn't sit back at the beginning. They they were trying to press high in in moments, I thought. Um, And it was pretty even for the first 10, 15. At that point, Iran started to sit back into their normal kind of low block and the US took it to them. Um, they dominated possession, which, you know, shouldn't have been that hard considering how Iran was playing and it wasn't. Um, and then we saw the same old thing happen again. They, they were putting Iran under a ton of pressure, but they were not converting that pressure into really good chances. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't even the possession they had. It was the way that they were playing so vertically, so aggressively, trying to push forward and create those chances. But then there were, you know, there were the the little things there too. Um, like, for example, there was a moment where a, a ball got played into the box. It got dropped back down to Tim Weah, and his shot went flying over the crossbar. And I couldn't help but think of the column that Clint Dempsey wrote for The Athletic where he was saying – You've got to keep shooting. You've got to keep shooting. Get the ball on frame. Get the ball on frame. <laughs> there I'm was like, another one from Wea where it was a deflected shot from Sargent, and it fell to him, and he had tons of time and space, and he didn't realize it, and he put a weak header on frame when he could yeah. have let the ball fall, and he could have smashed it. Right, and these are the moments, right? These are the moments where you've got to be a little bit better. You've got to have a little bit more of the killer instinct. You've got to be cleaner, mm-hmm. and it's, it's what changes games. And, you know, that's been the bugaboo with this team for a while now. They, they don't have a number nine. They don't have a consistent goal scorer. They've struggled to score goals. In They're big not games that clean in the final opponents. third. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been the problem. So there was nothing new there. But I just remember thinking over and over, I kind of kept turning to you and saying, like, they need to get goals. Like, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is not going to last the whole game. The and, difference, and finally, they did. The they, difference, though, this time was the volume and the amount of time that they were spending in dangerous positions in Iran's final third was higher than we've seen in previous matches. So you're like, okay, they do need to take advantage of this. But you felt maybe I felt a little bit better that they would just because of how much, how much time they were spending down there. It's like, you know, a basketball player that keeps chucking up shots. It was sort of one of those situations. And then the breakthrough happened, and it was a really nice goal. Weston McKenney played a great ball over the top of the of a packed in Iran defense. Serginho Dest made a really good run to latch onto it. Really smart, composed play by Dest to not head a shot on target from a difficult position, but headed across the face of goal. And then a great run from Pulisic to beat a couple of guys to the ball and lay his body on the line. Um to finish it it was a relatively easy finish in some ways but a very difficult finish in others he went down in the net he stayed down for a long time he had to come out at halftime he actually went to the hospital for scans he was not there at the stadium for the end of the game um he posted to i don't know was it snapchat it looked like a snap are people still on snapchat i can understand why uh you know, somebody like Christian Pulisic would be on Snapchat because it's supposed to disappear and it tells you when people do things like screenshot it. Well, it what are you, you, what are you saying? Be, well, somebody screenshot his Snapchat and put it on Twitter. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, he posted something on social media that he would be back. U.S. Soccer said that he is out with a pelvic contusion. Sounds I'm, lovely. I'm just going to say it. The guy got hit in the junk. Like, there may have been some pelvic involvement as well, but... Like, we all saw it. We all know what happened. They say he's day-to-day. Pulisic says he's going to be back in time for Saturday. It was a great move, Paul. It was a great goal. Uh, And, you know, the U.S. fans went off. And the U.S. kept pushing. And they almost got a second. I just want to say, I've quoted one of our good friends, Donnie Nora, tonight. I'm going to quote another one in regards to Pulisic. Oh, this is good. The tweet from Pulisic. The tweet from McKelly is, asked about Pulisic and got, quote, balls. His balls. (laughs) Is this podcast also brought to you by Manscaped? <laughs> Your balls will thank you. Anyway. I don't um, think Christian Pulisics are thanking him right now. But but the country. Exactly. It's the other way around. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I, look, I, I thought it was a good goal. 
And then the U.S. almost had a 2-0 lead. Weston McKinney with another really good ball. Found Tim Weah in behind the back line as Iran was kind of pushed up a little bit too much. Weah with a really nice finish, by the way. poke. A very nice post. finish to the far yeah. post. And he was ruled and judged to be narrowly offside. His by the, kind by of the way. chest and his shoulder. Sam, I know you're very upset about this. I don't about the like offside this. rule in general. I don't like it. If your torso is offside, but your feet are onside, and like you're just leaning forward a little bit. Like if your feet are onside and you're, it's not a header to goal, then you're you, you're onside. You, let me clarify what you're trying to say because it's it's six fifteen and you're not saying it clearly. No, that's how I wanted what, to say it. What you've been <laughs> saying to me when we're watching games at our apartment here is I feel like that's whatever how I've said part it. of the body that you score the goal with, uh, that yeah. is what is on or offside. Yeah. Right? So like yeah. Tim Weah scored the goal with his feet and thus and his feet were onside, therefore he was onside. Well, no, but the feet are always onside offside. Like you can score a header and your head can be onside, like you can be lead, well, leaning back. Yeah, yeah. But like if your feet are off, you're still off. Okay, I got you. We're yeah. very nuanced here. Yeah. This was worth going into for sure. Anyway, disallowed goal. And Paul, that would prove to be a crucial moment. Yeah, very crucial. US comes out in the second half, no Christian Polistic. He's on his way to a hospital due to pelvic bruising or whatever they called it <laughs> and <laughs> brendan aronson comes on so i i, I want to say a couple things here first of all this is the first substitution that's made that is a little bit more defensive minded versus attacking minded christian Pulisic comes off brendan aronson goes on there were two options in that moment giorena and brendan aronson giorena more attacking minded brendan aronson more defensive minded of the two not that Brendan Aronson can't contribute on the attacking end. And he did. He had a couple moments in the box. Yeah, especially he, right off the bat. Yeah, he got a yeah. couple moments in the box. But it was the more defensive of the two. Also understandable. It's one nothing. Yeah. You're going to be was fine with that. It made sense. Iran came out. They made some adjustments. And understandably, they were pushing the game. They had to push the game. They needed a goal in the same way the U.S. needed a goal. And, you know, I thought... For a couple minutes, for 10 minutes or so of the second half, the U.S. was still pushing. Like you mentioned, there was a little moment with Brendan Aronson. There were, you know, there were, there were some moments here and there that I thought, okay, the U.S. is still in, in it. Um, but around the 52nd minute, Iran had a really good chance. Uh, header that went over the bar. Tide starts to turn. Then 56th minute, Aronson has the little Meg in the box and the, the cross, you know, he crosses it, gets blocked out for a corner. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a back and forth half. Mm-mm. No. Around the 60-minute mark, Iran <laughs> takes over. And this US is where the game starts to change. You know, Iran's pushing. U.S. is absorbing pressure. 65th minute, Weston McKinney has to come off. Um, sounds like his quad a little bit still bugging him. Did Berhalter talk about it in he the press conference? He didn't say anything about it, but I saw a tweet from Roger Gonzalez reporting that it was a little bit of a quad issue that he's yeah. dealing with. He looked um, like he was in some discomfort. And, and that was the second substitution, and that was another defensive substitution. Kellen Acosta coming on for West, and very clearly mm -hmm. the Mueller And this option. is the one, Paul, where we turned to each other in the press tribune, and we, our editor, Alex Abnos, was seated between us, which meant that Paul and I, to communicate, had to scream. Uh, that's how loud it, loud it was in the stadium. We were yelling back and forth all night, um, and we were like, this is not the one. Well, my concern was that what would happen is it's kind of what happened, which is yeah. that they were you were losing too many players on the field who were capable of getting on the ball and helping you keep it and keep possession. And, you know, that's kind of what happened. Well, and, and it got worse from there, right? Because yeah. Josh Sargent 
jumped over a tackle and like the sort of landed weirdly on minute, the ball. landed on the ball the the defender whiffed on the ball and in fact if if josh Sargent's foot had landed six inches further back he's in on goal i mean yeah. he's in with no one in front of him instead his foot lands on the ball he does his ankle he's rolling around the Jammed ground his knee too haji like. Wright comes into the game yeah. and that would prove in my opinion to be a really important choice and substitution as well um and and it was just Oh, at that point, Sam, that's where it started. The, the main thing for me, man, was that Iran was so there for the taking in the first half. The U.S. should have been up multiple goals at halftime, in my opinion. And if they had been, this game is over. They had nothing going forward, Iran. Nothing in the first half. Um, and I thought the time was ripe to make some aggressive changes, ones that will make you better in the attack, ones that will allow you to maintain the initiative with possession. And instead, Berhalter went the other way, and the team sort of, you know, eventually with some changes later on, bringing in Walker Zimmerman. Well, that was way later. That, that was that was minute. that was way later. But even when you lost McKenney, and, and you lo- you had already lost Pulisic, and you bring on Aronson and Acosta, the team becomes more defensive naturally. Yeah. And and they lost the initiative. And by the way, like this game could have gone a lot differently if Iran wasn't so bad with the ball. Yeah. Like they, I mean, they did not play well. I, I think for me, there's a couple a couple things here. First of all, I think yes, for me, the the bigger problem was the lack of finishing in the first half. You know, yeah. the second half, you're in the 65th minute. You're up one nothing. You need to win to advance. Weston McKinney's injured. You you can't. You're not making the sub just for the 65th minute, right? You're making the sub anticipating if we don't get a goal. And by the way, if I'm casting the the die here, if I'm thinking Ooh. about what's going to be happening, I'm not predicting more goals for the USMNT like ever. So you're predicting you're going to be up one nothing. Fair. And and I think that probably factored in. But yeah, I mean, like I said, to you in the moment, I thought, okay, this was a potential moment to bring in. Um, Gio Reyna and I thought actually you could do it without sacrificing the issues in central midfield by um, having Brendan Aronson come inside yeah. to Weston McKinney's spot and putting Gio Reyna out on the wing in Christian Pulisic's spot and that you wouldn't really have too much of a difference than you would have if Christian Pulisic was, was still there and you know the US was absorbing pressure the whole half they were and it, it got to the point where as the game advanced and then those subs were made in the 82nd minute, which I have no problem with walkers and men coming into the yeah, game at that point and going to the back five. Yeah. No problem with it at that point in the game. But from the 82nd minute until what ended up being the 100th, 100th minute, yeah. it was brutal. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. It was so hard to to anyone that's watching that game, but especially fans of the U.S., I think it was emotionally and of Iran, by the way. yeah, for yeah. sure, and of Iran. And in fact, I got we had a good view of that in that we were, our editor Alex Abnos is an Iranian American. He was feeling both, he was feeling both, both sides. Things. You he was freaking it. out you with see every, every play. Every play, he was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god," <laughs> and you know that's that's just how it felt. It was crazy. It was just totally. Totally nuts. I, I've not really experienced something like that in a long time. I think the last time I felt anything like that, I mean, for me professionally, like it's been a while. Uh, Honduras game, maybe? maybe, maybe, maybe then. I mean, I, I try to think of like kind of what it meant in the big picture 
because we'll and we'll get to that about this team. Like I covered UCF football way back in the day, and they needed to go undefeated to Blake Bortles to to go to the Fiesta Bowl. And so like every result, I knew like if they do this, it'll be a big moment for my career. We'll go to the Fiesta Bowl. It'll be a big, <laughs> like this impacts like what my coverage. You could have been like. covering a college football playoff right now instead of the World Cup. Yeah. Imagine well, all of the wrong turns you took to get here. Yeah, well, um, but it it was some it was something like that because you knew. Every single attack, every single ball into the box. If a goal happens, it changes the way we talk about this team forever. Mm-hmm. It changes the way we talk about this tournament forever. Yeah. I mean, the 2006 World Cup is discussed completely differently. As bad as they played in the first game in 2006, if they had gotten out of the group, if they had kept that result against Ghana, who knows what would have happened in the Paul, knockouts. And let's let's do a more, a more rele- like not relevant, but a more tangible example for most U.S. fans. What if Landon Donovan doesn't make that run into the box to follow up the Clint Dempsey shot in 2010? Right, right. That team doesn't make it out of the group. Right. And we talk about them completely differently, yeah. too. So that's what was at stake here. And I was thinking about that every single time the ball went into the box. I thought to myself, this is where the goal happens. And like, <laughs> I think every- Paul turned to me four times in stoppage time and was like, this is where it's coming. Yeah. This is the goal. Yeah. And, and, and it, it felt like that. It actually felt like that. I yeah. wasn't being a crazy person. I think anyone who's listening to this podcast knows I wasn't being a crazy person. No, I, I was a crazy person. I was agreeing with you. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a crazy person. But in this case, it felt that way. And it was just uh, when the final whistle finally sounded, I felt relief. And I'm just a journalist sitting up in the, in the media tribune, you know, typing away on my yeah. clickety-clack on my keyboard. Nothing. He was typing so hard tonight. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anyone type harder in their lives <laughs> than, than Paul tonight. Um, <laughs> I mean. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It's one, you know, I described it as, I think, American sports fan hell. Uh, and uh, it was, but that hell was followed by a trip through purgatory and up into heaven with the sweet, sweet relief and release of the final whistle. And with that, the U.S. get through, and we think of them entirely differently. This team, the minimum expectation was always to make it out of the group. They have now achieved that. My thought was that if they make it out of the group and if they perform creditably, I cannot believe I got that word out properly, by the way, big upset, uh, if they do well in the round of 16, just be competitive, then then that's a decent enough tournament for them in 2022. They're most of the way there. I think this Netherlands team hasn't been great here in Qatar. And the U.S., the way they're playing defensively, I think should be in just about any game that they play. So maybe something weird happens and they win a game and maybe the draw gets really weird and the U.S. plays like Denmark or Australia or Poland or Australia in in the quarterfinals i don't know dare to yeah. dream a little bit i mean but it's uh it's a crazy moment and it means a lot for this group not just for 2022 which of course is and should be and rightfully will be the majority of the focus but also going forward into the future 2026 yeah i mean no doubt i mean the players aren't going to want to talk about that. And I, I get it. Like they're, they're living they? in the moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, live in the moment for yeah. sure. Embrace it, you know, focus on it. I don't want to even ask him about it, but let's be real. I mean, everything about this team is about the long term as well as the short term. Like we're enjoying this group and the expectations. We did that whole narrative podcast. Where we talked about the expectations around this group for yeah. this tournament and for the future. But yeah, of course, this tournament will inform what happens in the next one. And for every game that they play, every experience they have, that's going to make this team better. It's going to make all the players better. I mean, look at what we've seen from some of these young guys who are being asked to step up in big moments and are doing it. I mean, we can go to Weston McKinney against England. Tyler Adams, pick a game. Uh, Dude, he's been so good. So good. I mean, the whole midfield. I, I'll say it. I'm the not whole, sure. Weston didn't have as good of a game as he did against England, but he he created the, the goal he made the goal and he set up Tim Weah's goal that got yeah. called back. Um, Christian Pulisic has been very good. By the way, this guy steps up. I've, how many times have I said on this podcast? Christian Pulisic likes big games. I think probably like fifteen, probably fifteen times. <laughs> and you know what? He keeps proving me right, so I'm going to keep on saying it. They needed a goal tonight, and he delivered just like he has before. And I think about even some of the the kind of the quote unquote bit players, the guys who aren't as big name. Cameron Carter Vickers. Yeah. Okay. We haven't mentioned it. He like, was a surprise the, starter the tonight. Dude, surprise starter comes in. He, he played very well. Yeah. Like, very well. Tim Ream. You no. Know, Des legend at this has tournament. been incredible in this tournament. Like yeah. so trustworthy and 
out time of character, and again, like stepping up and making big plays and like and by the huge way, game for a, him. Oh, what a matchup for him on on Saturday. Actually, there's he had a, no interest in talking about it in the mix. But today. there is so <laughs> the, he did. He had no interest. I don't know if you saw this, Paul, but there's a reporter here, a uh, longtime soccer reporter in the states. He does a really nice job. His name's Leander Sherlackens. He's here for the Ringer, as you might be able to tell by that name that I just pronounced. He is Dutch American. And he actually tried to pull Serginio aside, speaking to him in Dutch. And Serginio engaged back and forth and was like, hey, I'm sorry. Well, I don't, I don't speak Dutch. But it seemed like he was saying, like, hey, I'm sorry, like another time, you know. Um, but, but he went for it. But that game will be special for him. Yeah, he was, he was in the Dutch setup, the system, the King well, Dutch they tried, Club They tried Ajax. to set him up. They tried to bring him into the system, yeah. but they didn't. They didn't have him until very late. By then, he had played in multiple World Cups, Youth World Cups for the U.S., yeah. and he stayed loyal to them. But, yeah, of course. But all of these guys are having these moments. I thought Josh Sargent was good tonight. I really yeah, did. fine. I thought he was good. I, I thought his pressure was good. I thought the moments were good. I thought he, he got involved when he I think, could. I think he had we, a couple of bad touches, I think but we, I thought he I think I thought we great. I think we grade on a curve for strikers. Yeah, we definitely grade on a curve for strikers. That's not even a question. Um, Eunice Musa, did you talk about him? I mean, Musa, this kid is turned 20 today, it was, uh, or the day of the game. Yesterday. It's, it's yesterday now for us, but... You know, just been just been everything you want from him. I mean, it's been a the point being that all of these guys are gaining all of these experiences, and it it, it matters for now, but it matters a lot for four years. Even from Matt now. Turner, and not a young guy, but a guy who will definitely be around in four years. I mean, I'm going to write about this this week. I did some reporting back when we were doing our narrative podcast. There's only one team with an average age younger than or yeah younger than 25.9 that's ever advanced to a semifinal of a world cup that was germany in 2010 in south africa sorry i should say of the modern world cup since 2002 um and that team obviously took those it was 98 not modern well we did we just did went back to 02 <laughs> um it's actually not you know we we, we encountered that on slack so no. i was like oh we're acting like it's 1998 and i was like oh my god i'm so old anyways <laughs> um, that Germany team obviously took a big step from 2010 to 2014. They won a World Cup in 2014 with many of the same players who were in 2010. And I talked to somebody that was on that German national team in 2010 about that. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I want people to read my stories. I'm going to write about it. And I need to go back through that interview because it's been a while. But that's the hope for the U.S. Like maybe they're not going to be yeah, what Germany they're, was. They're, they're not. not the baseline isn't as high. The baseline's not as high, but the idea is the same, right? That you yes. gain experiences, you gain something from this tournament being together, and you take that same core for the next four years, and you use those experiences and you build upon that. And now, that's what the U.S. can do. Yeah. They don't need to focus. If they lost or tied tonight. The talk would have been about the failure of the World Cup. Mm -hmm. U.S. soccer is still the same. The men haven't made any progress. Greg Berhalter didn't do a good job. All of those things are put to the side right now. If they beat the Netherlands, it becomes a completely different conversation. But even if they don't, they've met it's so weird the, the how we evaluate these teams. It really by the is. Way. I mean, all, all of our jobs are weird. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right, Paul. And I think by and large, this team performed pretty well in cutter i think they have some very very clear flaws uh namely scoring goals but defensively they've been very strong they've done well to control the run of play in i think pretty much all 90 minutes against england or at least 75 of the 90 against england most of the game against wales and and i would say the bulk of the game against iran even despite that wild finish um and i think they go into this game against the netherlands 
feeling confident. There are a bunch of questions, right? Beyond just the scoring. Will Christian Pulisic be healthy? That's a huge one. It's a pretty big one. Yeah. Um, and, and who's, will the guys be able to go again four days from now? There hasn't been much rotation. Nine players have started all three games. Yeah. Uh, the only ones that haven't that have started two. Josh Sargent started two. And Walker Zimmerman started two. Right. And a shout out to Walker Zimmerman, by the way. He was immense coming in off the bench. You know, that had to be massively disappointing for him to not start against Iran. No uh, doubt. But he came in and he won basically every single ball in the air over the last 20 minutes of that game, which was Interesting decision for Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Against the Netherlands because yeah. Cameron Carter Vickers was good. He was. The Dutch are typically tall and good at set pieces, though. Yeah. So that's something you'll have to account for. Think yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought, I thought it was a really good performance. And I'm really, really curious to see what this team can do going forward on Saturday uh, and, and into the future. Um, again, I think they still have some flaws very clearly. They are not one of the best teams at this tournament, not even particularly close to that, but that doesn't mean they can't make a run. And, uh, that's the beauty of the world's cup. That's the beauty of a knockout competition. You know, this is something that Greg Berhalter talked about before the tournament, the idea of splitting this tournament into two stages. The first is to get out of the group, right? You've got to finish top two out of four. That was the kind of the way they thought about it. That gets you to the next phase. Now you're in the knockout rounds. And there was something I was thinking about when, when Berhalter first brought that up, um, to the media, that, that idea that that's how he was going to frame things. And, you know, I think something he said was like, you just have to be the better team on the day. That's not true. You just have to win on the day. Yeah. You don't have to be the better team. Find a way to win. Like the U.S. in the second half, they were not the better team in the second half. But they they found a way to win. That's knockout soccer, man. Like, any fan of Costa Rica in 2014 will tell you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's related to Costa Rica. I'm just saying, like, Costa Rica wasn't the better team in those games. They weren't weren't (laughs) always the better team, but they found ways to win. Like, that's what the U.S. has to do now. In an ideal world, look, Holland is not – the Netherlands is not that good. Like, this is a game that the U.S. could win. They are are a strong, talented team, but they are not Brazil or France. They are a team that the U.S. can go out and, and play. Yeah, and the U.S., the odds aren't that crazy. If you look at the betting odds, like, there's a reason for that. Like, Netherlands hasn't been overly convincing. They weren't overly convincing in their group, and the U.S. could absolutely go play soccer and play well and, and boss that game, right? They could. But if they aren't going to, guess what? Doesn't matter. Find a way to get the result. It's not even about being the best team on the day. It's about finding a way to win on the day. And the U.S. is capable of doing that against pretty much anybody. Now, there are a couple teams yeah. I would not want to see them matched up against, Brazil and France being the top two. Some others that would probably There's be a in that group. a couple others, but, you know, when you look at the path. Spain. Argentina. Right now it's the Netherlands. And do I think the U.S. can get out of that game with a win? 100%. Yeah. Will they? Well, we'll find out on Saturday, Paul. And we will have more analysis about that idea in the build-up to the game on really? Allocation Disorder that we'll record at a normal time of day. Don't don't promise that. Yeah. You're well, gonna you guys don't it. care. You're just listening to this whenever you want. Dilly-dally. Dilly-dally. Dilly-dilly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam. He's Paul. Uh... I don't know. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. <laughs>